November 2021 was a big month for India's electric vehicle segment because for the first time ever monthly EV sales passed the 40000 mark that is a giant number more than a 200% rise when compared to the numbers for November 2020 the milestone is a measure of how far the electric vehicle has come in India and also perhaps a sign of things to come in other major emerging markets as well like Southeast Asia i'm janani your host for today coming to you from the boondocks in coimbatore We're recording this from our homes, so do watch out for the occasional bark, or in my case, the friendly neighborhood rooster. In case you missed it, the editorial team at the Ken is doing something different this year. Instead of our usual end-of-year review stories, we're doing audio conversations, bringing together writers and editors from across India and Southeast Asia. In previous episodes, we recapped what went down in 2021 across sectors like edtech and fintech. You can find those podcasts on our website. 2021 was many things for the EV segment, right? Startups across India and Southeast Asia churned out hundreds of thousands of electric vehicles. And established conglomerates decided that it was time that they too dipped their toes into the EVC. It was a year of planning, of decisions, of figuring out which way the wind was blowing. In today's episode, we're going to walk you through the changes in the EV landscape that 2021 brought. We'll also take you through what's in store for this rapidly growing segment in the coming years. To help me unpack this, I'm joined by my colleagues Nadine and Shruti. Hi, hi Janani. I'm Nadine, dialing in from Indonesia here. Hi Janani, Shruti here. Uh, happy to be a part of this podcast. Hey Nadine, hey Shruti. Glad to have you both on board. So today's theme is a bit of a big one: electric vehicles and their role in the energy transition, especially that the one that's happened throughout 2021. Nadine, you've uh, written uh, quite a bit about EVs this year. What what's your take on this? Well actually I mean in we've seen some impressive numbers from India right you mentioned that there was a record sales month uh just in November um so I think you know it's it's actually like a positive uh, trend and and things are you know gaining traction speaking for Southeast Asia it's a little bit different I'd say like over here we haven't even hit that rough and tumble patch yet it's still in the planning days in the honeymoon days where you know people are making projections and plans um so it's still very much you know in the yeah in that stage i would say with the exception of vietnam which has been a bit of an outlier uh in in the ev manufacturing space uh in vietnam there's one um private conglomerate called vin group which has kind of thrown all its eggs in one basket uh and pivoted to becoming an ev manufacturer and they've um they're actually targeting the export market for first and foremost so what they want to do is create like a high end uh EV car that can be on par with the Tesla and they're you know announced plans to launch that first prototype uh to roll it out in the US this year uh and domestically i think they are also manufacturing uh electric two wheelers uh but the sales numbers if i look at how much they make uh it's probably only 35000 a year so it's still way behind the numbers that india makes right yeah 35000 is quite behind uh we hit 40000 a month in november so so it still looks like there's quite a while to go exactly exactly so that gives you an idea that things in southeast asia just aren't quite uh, as far along yet but what we did see a lot of you know i wanted to mention that you know here all, what we have seen especially last year is the rise of multiple smaller startups which are all serving a niche spe- specifically around like electric motorbikes 
Um, and you see a lot of brands like, again, in Vietnam, Dat Bikes. In Indonesia, we have Nusa Bikes. And they're creating these higher-end electric vehicles that are more powerful, or electric motorbikes, than those mass-market scooters. And that's been something that was very vibrant uh, last year. So by motorbikes, you mean the actual geared motorbikes and not the not your run-of-the-mill scooters, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they look uh, and feel like, uh, you know, proper heavy motorbikes. They're, they're a bit, you know, more designed, more style, and they give like a different kind of uh, feeling when you ride them. So they say, I haven't actually ridden one. <laughs> uh, that's interesting, Nadine, that you mentioned, you know, that startups are sort of leading the charge across uh, Southeast Asia as well, because that's something that we've really seen happening in India, especially in the space of two-wheelers. Uh, as uh, as Janini said, you know, uh, a lot of the two-wheeler market is, uh, is, is still sort of led by the scooters in India, but they form a large uh, chunk of the overall EV demand in the country country as of now. So, for example, we have seen, you know, uh, Aether Energy, which has seen its sales grow 20% every month since November last year. And uh, seeing the demand, it has also announced that it's setting up a second manufacturing plant to ramp up production. Uh, Like Aether, we also have Ola Electric, which announced plans to manufacture about 10 million scooters annually by 2020 at its two wheeler plant, the Ola Future Factory. You know, somehow I've always giggled at that name, Ola Future Factory. (laughs) But is it all just startups though? I mean, India has some of the world's biggest auto companies, right? And I'm sure they wouldn't want to be left behind either. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, uh, you know, with with the pie growing every day, traditional players like Hero Electric and Tata Motors have also entered the game. Although they uh, entered the space pretty late, but they have been making their presence felt. Like, for example, if we look at Hero Electric, uh, it has managed to gain a whopping 36% market share in the two-wheeler market this year. And if we sort of look at the uh, four-wheeler market instead, then Tata Motors really has an edge over the others. And it has also made some substantial moves in the charging space thanks to Tata Power's public charging network. That's that's really interesting that, you know, the traditional players as well as startups have already, um, you know, actually made a dent in the mass market, uh, what it sounds like. Has that come with downsides as well? Have there been any um, difficulties in quality assessment? You know, I was reading one of our colleagues' stories about Ola Electric's bikes and how they had actually uh, struggled and faced manufacturing delays. Have you seen that in other companies too? Right, right. So Ola Electric was, uh, I think, one of the uh, biggest names in the game. And just because its ambitions were so uh, so huge, right? So uh, it, it faced multiple issues. So we had customers not receiving their vehicles three months after the pre-bookings. Then there were a lot of speed bumps in you know software and hardware as well. But they actually did manage to roll them out eventually, right? Is it already at the scale that they had uh, targeted? Uh, no, not really. So, uh, you know, in mid-December, they finally did roll out the first 100 scooters. But they weren't, uh, they were without a lot of the features that they had promised. Yeah, but I must say, though, those scooters looked really neat. Uh, I saw, I'd seen that uh, it, uh, Ola CEO Bhavish Agarwal had tweeted some photos of the launch day. 
but i also heard that the scooters were launched without a bunch of features installed is that true right right so even though you know uh, beyond the glitzy looks that they had sort of tweeted out there were in fact a lot of features which were not there including the mobile app the hill hold cruise control and bluetooth as well is there a timeline of sorts though uh, to um, add these features are there any plans uh no so they haven't given a timeline uh, they they said that this will be sort of updated via software updates into into the scooters but we sort of have to wait and watch when that happens but ola hasn't been the only company facing these problems right uh no no so in the past few months we've had you know multiple videos of electric scooters uh catching fire and they caught fire uh, they- Yeah they, they they've caught fire and uh, uh these videos have sort of you know gone viral all over social media so these scooters they sort of belong to multiple companies not just one so there's Sahara Motors there's Okinawa there's Pure EV so but all of them interestingly had the same problem so they all caught fire and what what really happened was that it was actually the batteries that 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 were there inside these scooters which were catching fire because of overheating because of lack of uh, lack of proper quality testing and then they sort of led to the the videos that we saw on the internet i'm very curious still about the the battery part actually you know how, where does india get its get its batteries for the for evs is it, are they manufactured domestically Uh so we usually have uh assembling plants here so most of the companies sort of get the raw material from abroad and then sort of uh have set up manufacturing plants here because uh you know one thing about india is that we we don't really have the raw materials that are required for these batteries including uh lithium and the likes right Yeah, I mean that that leads me quite nicely to what I what I was going to say is is you know the parallel to Ola Electric. One of the major announcement that we had last uh uh no, I mean I guess this year. It's still 2021, isn't it? Um was um that Gojek, you know, the ride-hailing company that's born in Indonesia and that recently merged with an e-commerce company called Tokopedia to form GoTo. Anyway, so Gojek um they uh, teamed up with um one of indonesia's largest mining and energy companies um and they announced the plan to launch an electric vehicle um sort of end to end electric vehicle ecosystem called gojek electrum and you know you you really like you know see the parallels to ola electric there right quite strongly but what gojek and this uh old mining company that's like pivoting into the new energy age uh want to achieve is actually like yeah really also get into the battery manufacturing part um because unlike india indonesia has quite a few reserves that that would make that possible and it's been a big strategic sort of national plan to make indonesia um a country where where you know battery manufacturing takes place and where potentially it's also targeting exports of these batteries but but at the moment you know it's 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 an announcement there's no there hasn't been any like groundbreaking of a factory or anything that's something we'll look out for in the in the coming years i heard that uh, indonesia's state owned manufacturer uh, guess it's is is that how it's pronounced nadi i heard that uh, the company is also getting into the game 
Uh, yes. So, uh, I mean, Indonesia in general, it's, it's you know, the economy is quite uh, dominated by state-owned enterprises, or, or at least to some degree in certain uh, areas. And um, natural resources uh, is certainly one one thing. So uh, manufacturing is also another. And Gesetz is, is a subsidiary of a um, state-owned construction company. And it had already a few years ago uh, launched a few electric scooters into the market. You know, you can kind of see the problem there because sometimes the state-owned initiatives, if, you know, completely run by state-owned enterprises, aren't super efficient. They're not the quickest, they're not the fastest to go to market. So Gesetz, which has been around for two years almost, I think is only selling a few thousand devices per year, you know. So it's really like not having that huge of an impact yet. And I think that's why, like, specifically um, the public-private partnerships and tie-ups that we've seen, you know, in the in in other cases or, like, private endeavors like the Gojek Electrum. Yeah, I just see more disruptive potential there. I know you've written a couple of times about Indonesia's plans to use its nickel reserves to play a bigger role in battery production, but what's happening on ground as of now? Yeah, as far as I uh, know, um, it's 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 a little bit again the same. So, with when it comes to natural resources, the Indonesian government usually wants to you know play a play a big role, and they've uh, there's there's a state-owned enterprises consortium that's now um, sort of tasked with developing the. Um, the upstream uh, part of it, where it's about like the mining, the smeltering and the processing of, of the nickel and other raw materials. And also um, it's teamed up with, I think, a couple of Korean companies to uh, learn and uh, understand how to produce batteries in the country, which, which is still a new, um, a new thing for Indonesia. But yeah, that's, that's what's been happening. How is it in India? It was, uh, I think, uh, if if anything, in India, this was the year when we had, you know, the two big heavyweights. We had Reliance's Mukesh Ambani and Anani Group's Gautam Adani, which are, in fact, among the richest men in Asia, uh, entering the green energy space. And till now, obviously, you know, they have, they have set up a huge uh, oil and gas portfolio over the years. But now they are shifting, uh, they are eyeing a shift to green energy as of now. So during the year, Reliance announced a plan to develop four gigafactories by 2024 as part of its uh, US dollar 10 billion investment in, in the space by 2024. On the other hand, Adani said it, it would invest about $70 billion over the next decade in the renewable sector, which are huge, huge numbers. Isn't Adani already the world's largest solar power developer though? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, it's it's just uh, stepping up its capacity now and wants to build about 45 gigawatts of renewable energy capacity by 2030. And now both Reliance and Adani are eyeing the EV segment in India. Right, right. When you So when you have the EV uh, industry growing at the pace that it is in India, it's it's natural that both the players are sort of eyeing a, pie, uh, eyeing a share of the pie now. So we had a Reliance Geo uh, joint venture between Reliance and Geo tying up with UK oil company uh, BP in a joint venture a couple of years ago, which led to which led to uh, the formation of Geo BP. 
And now that joint venture is inching into the EV space. They have tied up with uh, with car maker Mahindra and also EV uh, ride hailing platform Blue Smart. Adani, on the other hand, if you look at it again, it has it has had similar tie-ups. So it has partnered with Yulu for setting up uh, b- battery charging and swapping stations. I just want to um, circle back to what uh, the company that you mentioned, Shruti, Blue Smart. I don't think we've heard much about this company in the EV space, especially. It's been quite pretty quiet, hasn't it? Blue Smart is one of the biggest names that we have. So it's the only uh, sort of uh, consumer-centric EV fleet startup in in the country. So basically, it's an app where you can like uh, like Ola and Uber. You can uh, sort of go put your location and get a cab on demand. But uh, and all the that entire f- fleet is is made up of EVs. And do you also like pay more or, you know, what's the incentive for people to, to take it? Uh, so they cost about 30% less than uh, an Uber or Ola. Oh, okay. You know what? I think I find it quite ironic that two oil companies have tied up for an EV thing. It's quite hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, and it's the same in Indonesia, right? With uh, with with that Tobabara energy energy company that I was mentioning that teamed up with Gojek. So yeah, you can it's it's de- it's definitely like a global trend, I would say. Between Reliance and Adani, I think we've seen a lot of announcements being made, right? There's a lot of planning, there's a lot of first steps, so to speak. Um, but Shruti, do you think you can tell me if there is a timeline on the execution for these plans? Uh, when do we? When are we going to see? these plans come to fruition. Right. So uh, uh, that's correct that you say it, you know, 2021 was all about grand announcements and uh, laying out the plans for multi-billion dollar investments. But even though uh, manufacturing plants are being set up and ecosystems are being built, uh, ideally the payoffs will happen only three or four years down the line. So that leaves 2022 in a bit of an odd space, I think, you know neither at the starting point nor at sort of the space where people can see visible results, right? It's it's more of a get down and grind kind of a year. Yeah, but uh, 2022 is going to be an important year nevertheless because we're going to see a lot of action on the ground. Uh, if you remember, it's going to be very similar to the smartphone revolution that happened. So in the beginning, we had anybody who was anybody coming out with their smartphones, launching new products. But now we only have the good ones uh, surviving, to say the least. So 2022 is really going to be about uh, which ones survive. And that's going to com- uh, come down a lot to the quality. When when will I see electric vehicles actually rolling around Jakarta uh, in like a significant scale? I think for us, that's, that's still a few years away. So even in 2020, I, I kind of expect... The planning and the, you know, allocating funds and that thing to continue on. And it'll take another few years, especially if I see, you know, the kinds of problems Ola Electric encountered, uh, production delays. I'm sure we'll, we'll have that as well. It looks like the road for EVs in both India and Southeast Asia is still filled with uh, a handful of speed bumps. So um, it's going to be a while before we uh, before any of them are smoothened out. So that's a wrap on this set of audio year-enders uh, for 2021. This is also a wrap for our publishing calendar for 2021. 
we are going to see you in the next year with a whole new lineup of stories and audio projects so stay tuned happy new year everybody we'll see you in 2022